Hi, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Skills, baby. I am your host, Kelly Ryan Bailey. Each week, I chat with inspiring visionaries about the skills that make them successful, how they developed those skills, and their innovative approaches to improving skills-based hiring and learning around the world. Come learn what skills help you live your best life. My guest today is Amber Garrison Duncan. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amber. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. We're really excited to dive in. But before we do, let me give a little background on Amber. Amber is a strategy director at Lumina Foundation, which is an independent private foundation in Indianapolis that is committed to making opportunities for learning beyond high school available to all. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of us here today as well. In that role, she leads a portfolio of work that supports the creation of a system where high quality learning can be validated and valued regardless of where it happens and efficiently contribute to credentials. Lumina's work in this area includes competency-based education, learning frameworks, assessment, credential recognition, and learner records, as well as quality assurance. And all of this work allows Amber to draw on her 15 years of experience as a campus-based professional designing co-curricular learning experiences and leading assessment. I really love this background, Amber. I'm going to just mention that prior to Amber joining Lumina in 2013, she has served as Director of Student Affairs Assessment and Research at the University of Oregon, also the Director of Family Programs and Commencement at the University of Oregon, a first-year instructor at Florida State University, and an Intake and Investigations Coordinator at the University of Michigan. And she was also an Assistant Director of Housing and Greek Life at Hope College. I can only assume that all of this wonderful background (laughs) has really given you such like a great view of the work that you're doing now. Another thing to point out is that Amber has researched and written on general education assessment, innovation in student affairs, Latinas in higher education, and women in leadership. She is the co-editor of the book, Leading Assessment for Student Success, 10 Tenants That Change Culture and Practice in Student Affairs, which was published in 2015. We're actually going to probably have to ask you how to get access to that too, (laughs) where it's available. But she holds a bachelor's degree from Texas Women's University, master's degree from Texas A&M, and a doctorate from the University of Oregon. So that's that's the end of my gushing here on you today, Amber. But I point these things out not only because they're such wonderful accomplishments and we want you to like we want to share that with the world, but also because to me, when I hear those different roles that you've had within education, I only imagine, like I said, how that must lead to the work that you've done here at Lumina because you really truly understand you've been in there. Yes, it was good to have that grounding. So thank you of like, where have I been in my life? Um, And to hear just how different all the titles were. And I've always just considered myself a bit of a generalist. But the thing that has been consistent when we think about skill sets is each of those jobs, I was brought in to either create something new or completely renovate something. But I didn't recognize that that through line until probably um, right before I started at Lumina. But um, no, it's good grounding. It definitely gave me a lot of real experience with students as well, just to know what it's was it like to be a student today? And what are the challenges? What are the great things about it? Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I would love, I mean, I know I gave some of the highlights here of how you kind of landed this. I know, and and, in, and I, I was laughing a little bit there because in most cases, we don't realize the connections or really where this whole path in life is leading us until later. 
But what I find really interesting is kind of how I would love to know how you got into that and, and really maybe a little bit more about your journey besides the highlights. Sure. Um, thank you. Yeah. So I think I would go back to, um, you know, just thinking in high school even. So I was, and so part that we didn't talk about before I went to Texas Women's University was I was an athlete. I was really, um, I played three varsity and three sports. So I thought I'm going to go and be a physical therapist. And I got to Texas Women's University and had a tremendous experience. But what I learned about myself was like, that wasn't my career path. <laughs> um, and I got you really involved, too. <laughs> right, which was good to learn, right? I was like, I, I like this, but this isn't like my passion. So, yeah. um, you know, how do I, where was I spending my time? And I was spending my time in student government. I was president of my sorority. Um, I was active in the community with lots of community, um, different things happening on campus. And someone who was kind of a, who was a mentor for me sat me down and said like Amber like you are really good with your peers and leading your peers like have you thought about education and I was like no like I just you know <laughs> kind of hits you out from nowhere um, and I was like oh this these are jobs like there are people working with me every day and what I'm doing and so um, I began to be mentored by by um, Monica Mendez Grant is one of my big mentors and then also. Uh, the vice president of student affairs at the time, Richard Nicholas, um, took me under their wing and I created a practicum experience and um, just started to learn about the opportunities that could um, exist as far as like a career in higher education that I had not even thought about. Um, and so, you know, it's always those mentors, right? Who kind of like shine a light on something and yeah. you know, help you see something. And maybe you see something in yourself that you didn't see. Like I had been, again, kind of thinking healthcare all these other components, um, sure. but it was really my my kind of people skills that they saw me um, being able to leverage and be successful in executing in an educational context. So, you know, making that shift led me to my master's degree in mm-hmm. student affairs administration in higher ed, and then working for 15 years at all those jobs that you that you mentioned. Um, and and the through thread again was kind of this like I'm a change agent. Like that's really? what I know now. You know uh, again, as you like, as you know now, I, yeah, I'm a I'm a change agent. So again, it was like, oh, I I'm not a maintainer. Like I know this. Like don't bring me in to like maintain something because I'll be like, oh, if we just tweak this one right. little bit, it's like, like you just can't. Be, help <laughs> I, I can't. I cannot hold back. Um, so you know, luckily I had jobs again where it was like we need a new program or mm. you know, we just we need to start a family program. You know, department or. Um, you can also see in my jobs that I often held two different roles or got a promotion of some sense because it was like, okay, once I got something done, now let's go, what's, what's the next thing we're going to change? What are we going to like amplify or make better? Um, and again, so I, I feel lucky that I was able to leverage that in each of those roles. And then certainly that's what led me to Lumina. Um, it was seeing across all those institutions Mm -hmm. you, you named that students were having the same barriers and problems, regardless of what context they were in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a large research university, there's a small private college on that list, right? Different areas of the country, why do we have these systemic barriers for students? Um, And I really want to get outside of higher ed and just poke on these issues and And again, try to be that change agent there. Piece of you was like, okay, wait. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that that's what um, when the job was an opportunity at Lumina, you know, that's very much what we do every day um, is figuring out how do we make this experience and it's very much focused on students. Um, mm-hmm. That's the other piece that I draw on in my background every single day is that as student affairs professional, that's all you're thinking about um, mm-hmm. is students and their success and their learning. Um, so keeping them at the center of conversations can be hard when you're an institutional administrator or a state policy maker because your your allegiance has to be, you know, is the institution going to survive, not maybe what's always best for the student. So I feel like at Lumina, we get to keep that at the core um, and and make sure that this, what we're doing is about students. Um, right. Yeah. Now, when you were in those roles, I, this is what I'm curious about because I, and I'm thinking this because of my own experience as a student, and that's sort of what led me to really get passionate about this. So I'm wondering now, I can imagine you like heading up the, you know, a sorority or something and all the changes you might have been interested in making because it was something that potentially affected you. Is that how you felt as a student? Were you seeing things that again, you might not have realized like change agent was this special power or skill that you had, but I, I'm guessing that maybe that's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that's how I found myself as the speaker of the house of representatives and the student government at TWU. Wow. And, um, and actually part of rewriting the bylaws and structure of the student government, mm. um, while I was there, I was like, again, how do we, how do we take this to the next level? Right. Um, and so that was, you know, in the sorority, absolutely. We wanted to double our membership and really um, increase our sisterhood. You know, those were big things that we were setting goals and working towards. And so being able to be that leader that was, again, setting a vision and a tone and a direction mm-hmm. um, was definitely part of what I was learning when I was engaged in those co-curricular activities, um, which is also, I think, why I'm so passionate about the yeah. learning that takes place. And yes. a lot of different pl- contexts. You um, experienced that like firsthand. Right. <laughs> yeah. So much of my, I mean, and, and throughout my life, I've leveraged my volunteer work, whether that's been um, in professional associations. I served as a national volunteer for my sorority, supervising 50 volunteers, right? Like mm-hmm. I have not supervised 50 people in my life, but I got to do that in a volunteer capacity, which right. it was a great, um, again, leadership opportunity for me. So, mm-hmm. um, so as we got into this work at Lumen around all learning counts, you know, how we understand what those skill sets are, how we um, validate them when there's not like a set system, there's not a course right. around it, um, right. poses challenge to our systems of learning, you know, beyond high school, but it's, but there's so many rich places. I think too about, um, you know, my mom was a single single mom growing up and watching her manage, you know, she was going to school full-time, working full school, wow. you know, working full-time, raising three kids, doing all this stuff. I was like, how do you like yeah. manage your time, do all of this effectively? Um, and that skill set of like multi I mean, there's just a lot of things that I think. There's a lot in there. Yeah, that's amazing. There's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> that Then again, that an employer would be like, that is what I need. Right. Um, for someone to bring to my, to my team or what I'm working on. Right. And again, wanting to make sure that those are things we value. And when you look at who can demonstrate those skill sets, it's often people who have been disenfranchised in our yes. society in some way. Um, so that's where it's, it's just, yeah, it's very personal in a sense of like, this was my journey, but right. also seeing this is 
everyone's journey. I mean, the the human way of going about the world is that we're constantly learning. <laughs> um, so true. It's yeah. so true. I really, what I'm hearing is because like, I'm, of course, I'm always picking up on skills as, as you're describing this journey. Yeah. So of course I've heard, you know, we might not necessarily coin the term uh, change agent as a skill, but quite honestly, it is. It's just something that it's like your unique gift. I guess some people might call it that, but it's truly a skill. The other thing I'm hearing a lot is empathy, you know, because you're really able to understand what other students might be going through and how you can make change. And so that I think is so important. And even just hearing you describe the story from your mother, you know, and, and experiencing that and how it likely that has you brought that into a lot of your work in your, you know, early on in your career with these different roles is because all of these students, my guess is they weren't, some of them were very similar in a similar situation to your mother. You know, it's not necessarily that we all, and I, I think it's always good to remind this because most of us think that, oh, students are young. They're coming in from high school. Um, they don't have a lot on their plate. Um, they're able to do all these things. That's not always the case. Um, in many more cases than not, um, you know, and I laugh because we use the term, right, traditional versus non-traditional, whereas right. like the traditional is actually less than the non-traditional. <laughs> uh, yes. And a big piece of what we've tried to be doing at Lumina is a, a, an actual campaign called Today's Students to say, yes. Yes. you know, the majority, overwhelming majority. I mean, most students work um, at least part time, if not more, most of them work more they have caregiving responsibilities either for their own children or grandparents or parents or aunts or uncles, someone in their life needs yes. caregiving. Um, they're working two to three jobs, you know, that might, um, you know, again, managing all those things, getting different skill sets from different experiences. Absolutely. I think that's, that's well, I think right. this, like this time period too with COVID has really allowed anyone who may not have been aware of all the other things that people are doing in their life, they're yes. highly aware of it right now. <laughs> kind of hard to avoid, right? <laughs> it is front and center. Like if my kids come running in the room in the middle of a podcast, that's what happens. My son did one second before we <laughs> started. Um, and, but you know, that's, that's what it is right now. I mean, it's, it's all kind of wrapped up into one thing. And I think the at least the things that I've been reading, and I'm sure you have as well, in regards to people saying, well, you know what, I don't, I want my workplace to see me as all the parts of me, not just this mm -hmm. one thing. And there, and not only are people now saying this about their work environments, but they're saying it about their learning environments too. And they've been saying it. It's not that they haven't, it's just that I think this is like this collective moment <laughs> where we all finally get it. I hope so. I mean, I think so. I hope so. I hope so too. I do think, um, you know, we are seeing, and I'll just kind of reminisce on faculty a little bit as we've been following, you know, how are faculty responding to now I'm teaching online, which also means that my home is now potentially open to students, but also how I have a window again into students' lives. And so that empathy you, you hit on, yeah. I think we're seeing more of that, of people, um, trying to have a bit more empathy and also you can see it in the dialogue about do people have to turn their cameras on or not and, right. and people just finally saying like you should do what works best for you because maybe you, you do have you know siblings or your, your kiddos like doing their homework right next to you or, or someone or last night because like even this this is why I'm like it's so funny because people forget all just the regular things that happen and this happened to me last, last night or someone was sick last night 
and you didn't really sleep. And so you've had to have five cups of coffee. You haven't washed your hair in a week and you just don't want to get on the video. (laughs) Yes. And you look amazing, but it's definitely this like, oh my gosh, there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. And, um, I, I do think COVID has allowed us to see again, this more, um, human way of being and, and what we know about just back to learning is that, you know, when people feel connection and in community, that's when the learning happens. Um, and so I do hope that this, and, and we are seeing this again, this moment of time of just being in connection and community in ways that um, weren't maybe possible when you're in a lecture hall with 300 people, yes. um, you know, and, and I think that there's some personalization happening. There's also when we think about equity of access things, um, you know, certainly there's the digital divide component, but mm-hmm. when you've seen schools who have said like, this is an opportunity for us, especially in the K-12 space, why aren't we thinking about our segregation issues? Like we no longer have to, to send, you know, kids to school based on where they, they yeah. live. We could fix this right now if we took this it's moment amazing. in time. It would be amazing yeah. if they just could fit like, and I, I realized just as we talked earlier before we hit record, it's not like it's just going to be fixed like that. I mean, I'm, we're not, that's right. That, but it's just those little pressure points that you keep wanting to. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just like, <laughs> I, yeah. And this is the part part about being a change agent. And I'd like constant, you're like, okay, disruption creates chaos, which creates opportunities for change. Yes. That can be bad or good change. And how do we make that? Like we we want to make the most change for the most good for the most people that we can. And uh, yeah. if we if we don't pay attention to that in this moment in time, we will slide back. But there's a lot of good also moving forward. So it's I'm hopeful so we can harness that. No, it is so true. And I that's I think we can all agree, anyone listening now, right, right now, uh, that the same thing. Um, so before I, like, I really do actually want to dive into the work side of things, although we have, but, um, before I do, I want to lean back onto skills for a moment because, you know, as, as you described sort of how you ended up at Lumina, and I feel like there's some time still between when you were at Lumina to now that I would love to hear about, but before we go there, what I would love to understand, you have all this wonderful, you know, formal education. You've had all of these wonderful experiences in your life. When you think of these skills, at least the few that we've sort of pulled out from this conversation, mm-hmm. are you feeling like these were things that you gained in a combination of these experiences? Or would you feel like they kind of came from one area or another? Yeah, um, I definitely feel like it's been a combination of experiences, um, especially, and sorry, this is my nerdy learning science oh, um, brain, right? We, we know that, you know, again, connection and community matter, but also my ability to apply knowledge and skill sets continuously over time is just really important. And so in order to, um, there's only so much you can do in a classroom. Um, and there's a lot, again, a wealth of opportunities to leverage um, in in learning and, and applying that. So yeah, I think my skill set over time, and, and some of this is also just um, the metacognitive skill set to say like, what do I know and what can I do? And what do I need to still develop? And then being very intentional about going out and finding an opportunity. So, you know, I, I alluded to the supervision piece. So in my role that when I was doing that, I didn't supervise anyone. And I was like, I'm going to need supervision skills to get to my next role, right? That's always a skill set where people are like, well, if you don't have it, we don't know if we can advance you. And you're like, but if you don't allow me to advance, I'm not going to get it. Um, So I leveraged a volunteer experience to 
go out and develop that skill set and super, you know, gain some supervision skills um, in a way that I, I wasn't able to in my current role. So um, I, it's definitely been a combination. And over time, as you can see, like very different context, right? Of like, right. okay, now I'm working with the parents of students, but before that I was doing campus um, conduct and doing investigations of the, like, and, and those kinds of things, which are, are certainly, you know, some different skill sets, but again, that, that those, there are some common threads that allowed say, I'm sure me. Like every time you kind of went in one direction that really enhanced the next direction because you, you sort of, I think of skills sometimes as this like backpack that we carry, but really it's just yeah. us, but you know, it's like sort of like this, I don't know why. I'm, of course, I have kids, so I'm, I'm probably envisioning like Dora or something. <laughs> That's, right. That's right, Dora the Explorer, ready for ready yeah, for yeah. But it's like you sort of like add all this stuff as you go along in life, and then obviously that can adjust where you go because all of a sudden you can pull these like new tools out of your toolkit that you didn't have before. I actually love that you really describe the volunteer experience too because um, this week the podcast that was published was with Sharon Liu um, at the U.S. Department oh. of Education. And she, um, so so she had described really like this persistence of going after um, when you didn't have necessarily the network or the opportunity, like finding mm-hmm. um, some way to expand. Maybe I know a lot of people and I find this, you know, again, I try to keep as closely tied to what, what I refer to as like just people, but everyone is a learner and worker throughout their entire life, you know, and the closer that I stay aligned to people and hearing and understanding where they're at, what I've realized is there's a huge amount of people that are like, well, I don't have the opportunity or I can't find this thing, or I'm not being given this thing. And it's, I really think that these like going after, if you realize that you're like, man, that's something that I really need to do to get over here, you can 100% figure it out. And that those volunteer opportunities are fantastic. It's, it's pretty rare. I would say that someone would be turned down. You may have to knock on a few doors for sure, but um, it's most people are happy to take assistance and they're just so aren't. I feel like most people are just really open to when someone comes with that hunger or desire to learn, it's like, yeah, I mean that, please like come and do that. It just, they, it, it's, it's infectious. It is. It is. So one love Sharon Lou. So um, I haven't been able to watch the, that podcast yet. It's on my list. Okay. Um, so I will definitely go back and watch because especially because you referenced that, but I, I think about, um, as you were talking about this, like skills hustle, right? Um, Because people, I I think my general approach is that people want to be successful, people want to learn, and and people are trying to find opportunities to do that. Um, And when you look at, um, you know, certainly I, at Lumina, we have this commitment, I personally have this commitment around racial justice, Mm -hmm. is that when you look at what people are doing in their communities, um, look right now at the social movements and the organizing that's happening, um, you know, voluntarily, our Indianapolis, oh, yeah. you know, Black Lives Matters, those organizers, those two women who are organizing here in town, I just think about the skill sets that they're developing and growing in. And it, it is very amazing because they're very creative here. Like doing yoga at the mayor's lawn is like a protest, right? It's like they're, they're just doing wonderful. some really good things. And, and again, coordinating a city of people who, who are passionate about something, yeah. you know, and driving that towards good. like 
it's it's quite amazing to see how those to your point, like how those volunteer opportunities Please. can be maximized. And and again, it's it's I'm like you've got cases, leadership, persistence. You're oh my gosh! I'm like communication, fundraising. I mean, I'm like exactly. I'm taking it off the list. Like yes. you, you know. So it's it's almost like they're running their own nonprofit right now, right? Yes. So yes. you know, I think about those, and and again, most people are active in their community. So I really right. love too that you call it volunteering. Um, is that there's maximizing again these you know people are doing lots of cool things every day um and it gets overlooked because our system just doesn't know how to recognize it and that's you know yeah the fun thing about volunteering too is that you can i mean most times we might you know again everyone's at a different place in their life and sometimes and i've been there too where you know work is a necessity it's not necessarily i found this job that i I, now i do but like you know in the past there have been times where the job was just a job because I needed the money. Um, And and I totally understand when people are there, but the great thing about volunteering is you can follow the, you know, let whatever floats your boat, like go after the passion. Like it doesn't matter what it is and it doesn't matter what other people think. Like it's just for you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's where too, like falling, not falling into, but I, I, that's where I get, I think to your point, like, how do I get to the place where I'm most passionate about what I was doing? And that, that was my college story, right? Of like, yeah. I was pursuing something I thought was going to make me really happy. But what I, when it was just the option to spend my time doing what I wanted to be doing, where my heart was, yeah. it was in some different places that then led me to a different job ultimately. But right. it was because of these sidesteps, like not sidesteps, but places I was learning in other ways and leveraging right. that in new ways um, absolutely got me to, you know, a different place in my career. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, let, I mean, I, I think it would be really great to hear a little bit more. I mean, you mentioned this one initiative at Lumina, but I would, I mean, I know you guys do fantastic work. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the things, especially in this time, you know, have, are, do you guys have you shifted your focus? Is there anything sort of like new and latest and greatest that we should know about in this world of skills? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about work because clearly I enjoy it. Um, oh, no, I mean, the... <laughs> this is, when you get to this place where it's, it doesn't seem like work anymore, right? I mean, this is just like you're yes. living out. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely right. Um, yes, because I love love what I get to do. Um, and the thing that is is sticking with me right now at this moment in time, and that is just really personal for so many people, you know, when you have 40 million people applying for unemployment, um, and as the economy is trying to like have fits and starts, right? It's like, oh, the restaurants are open. Oh, no, they're going to be closed again. Oh, the schools are open. Oh, no, we're going to be on, on online again. Um, you know, we're seeing this dy- the most dynamic labor market that we've seen in a really long time. And so when we think about the skills people need uh, to get themselves back into the labor market, in some cases, that skill set, the, the demand of the labor market may be drastically different than what they were doing before. And so how do we help them leverage what they already know and can do, whether that came from, again, their job or their volunteer experience or credential they got to re get, you know, upskill, reskill, or just say this skill set is, is, I call it industry hopping. This skill set <laughs> hops to this industry and I can yes. absolutely go and do this job. Um, you know, how we do that is a, I mean, think about that. That's a much more sophisticated way than we've done hiring or credentialing in this country (laughs) ever. Yes. Ever, right? Especially that industry hopping part. We don't do that very well. Um, 
And it's and something so, to consider right now. I mean, I'm just that what, as soon as you said that the industry that I think of so often, and maybe it's because my family owns um, like a bakery and a restaurant and a bar. So like food yeah. and service industry right now is obviously taking an enormously huge hit. And it is like, as a business owner, it is the most, I mean, I'm, it, it's terrible when you're the person that is affected, but like when you truly care about your business and you know that this is affecting your employees and you are in no other position, you know, you can't stay open. It is just heartbreaking. And when, but when you look at people, like I think this all the time, I think of like a typical person that's like a waiter. Um, yeah. and, and I'm like, they are an amazing salesperson. Like they would kill it, (laughs) but no one ever puts these two things together. And if they don't have the correct education, um, communicating that to a potential employer is really difficult, but I I bet you and I are like, it's so obvious. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And again, one of the, so one of the things that wasn't on my list, I was a waitress and bartender in college. Right. It's like, but anyways, I, um, but to that point, you know, yes, you're watching people who, you know, are amazing, yes. who could be rocket in sales. Um, and again, huge customer service, who doesn't need good customer service, especially yep. online right now, when you're having to navigate, you know, your customer is navigating a whole new world. And if they need to reach out to you, they can't come in and talk to you. Right. Um, and so I think that there's, you know, but you have to, in order to make that right, our, our proxies or signals that we've used before have been that, that experience or that formal education yeah. route. And, um, and, and so that's not allowed us to, to help people make these industry hops. But because we're able to get in and look at skills and competencies, you can say like this are absolutely translates over here. Um, the only thing that I, I will say we have to be a little bit careful about is that um, a person's ability to know, you talked about like pulling a skill out of that backpack. Yeah taking that skill set and knowing how to apply it in a new context. Sure, we, that is something that I think we could be, because that, that is a, what we call a metacognitive skill, right? Like mm-hmm. executive function and knowing, like, I do know that I can apply that in a new context. We are very, we do a poor job of teaching that skill set to people generally. Yes. And it is a much more advanced cognitive skill set. So we also, while there is good industry hopping, we need to pay attention to helping people make that transition and doing that in an asset-based way where we're saying to someone like, I've seen you demonstrate this skill set. This is the same skill set and calling it out. The customer service you were doing there, I need you to do that same attention to customers in this setting. But just pointing it out so they can at least make that transition. Right. As it's like well. they need to understand um, how to communicate that um, and understand, just like we were describing before, how your mentor sort of was like, oh, you're really, they, they might not yeah. see this in themselves. Yeah. That's that's a big challenge, I think, when we see people. Um, and I've had staff who have transitioned into new things. And I'm like, I, I know you can do this. Remember when you did this over here? And they were like, oh, yeah, I did do that. Um, I'm like, just do it again here, right? Like, it, it, But sometimes, yes, we have to point that out and be good mentors to people and, and exactly. again, help and them I make that connection. confidence right now for people that are struggling in this way. I mean, that's really difficult. And so that can really this, the mental health around all of these changes and really making sure that they're cared for in a, I mean, that is something I think, again, I don't want to speak generally for everything that our country offers, but you know, it's just something that's been overlooked more generally. It just wasn't seen. And I think now it's definitely something that we need to keep an eye on because there are plenty of people, you know, if we, 
if, if we are able to communicate to them, these are the things, you know, you can transition this to here and we can point them in all the right directions. But if they are just so down on themselves that they can't see that in themselves, that's going to be yeah. a big barrier. It's huge. Um, I was in a conversation yesterday. We were talking about navigators and yeah. navigators in your life, right? That might have, you know, personally, I've shared a couple of mine help, helping mm-hmm. navigators. But um, but yeah, if you are completely stuck and, and you know, again, you file for unemployment, where do you go for help? Like, where do I, I can Google what are jobs open right now, but like, I get this huge list of things that just right. I can't make sense of. And so that's where I, I have been encouraged to see some states step in and trying to create more streamlined processes for this, mm-hmm. having more coaches and navigators yes. that can, can sit down with someone and, and be that person to person. Because I think technology can do a lot to translate information, help us do the skills matching for industry hopping, right. but it does still take that. Um, moment to sit down with someone and help the them. Yeah, the one-on-one. It's it. You just can't get the human component is still there, especially when we go back to again like childcare, transportation, all right. that. I'm still trying to manage all of that on top of figuring out what skills I have and where I can go. <laughs> right. Um, like there's all these things, and I can't. So, even we talked about this internet, you know, or like digital divide, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and that is still prevalent too. You know, we have a good portion of our country where people do not have internet access. And so there are, you know, yes, of course, there's plenty of wonderful online resources, but what if those aren't even right. accessible to you? Uh, absolutely. The other thing that we're hearing is um, there's a technology as in like, do I have broadband access? Do I have a device to use right. to get on to the internet is one piece. But the second piece is, you know, for a lot of people, they've not had to live in a digital, fully digital world. And so there's the digital skill development um, that comes along with that before folks can engage with the products and things that are rolling out. So if you talk to um, a lot of workforce providers who are trying to reach out to these, you know, folks who are unemployed, that's one of the biggest things they say is like, we need in-person digital skills training because I can't even get them online. Um, In an organization I volunteer with, School on Wheels here in Indy, which is about supporting students who are experiencing homelessness. What is the name of that organization? I'm sorry, I missed it. No, that's okay. School on Wheels. It's School an amazing organization. Okay. Yeah. So cool. it's about making sure, you know, again, students are experiencing homelessness. And so there was a volunteer they posted on the Instagram account yesterday that actually went and met with a student because their device wasn't getting online. They couldn't get logged into their class. And so, um, you know, there's just these components again, where it's, it's, there's some really great things, right? Again, that as we were talking about, that can emerge from this moment in time. Completely. But we have to make sure we're taking care of some of these components that could really leave, you know, large swaths of people behind um, based on, you know, things that they can't control. So, so true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ivy, it's funny because like you you mentioned this and I was like, I, I know there have been days where for whatever reason, um, you know, like the Zoom wasn't connecting for one of my daughters right. for school. And it was just like, they had the wrong Zoom link, but the teacher was already on Zoom, you know? So like, and I can, I understand how stressful it is. And and that's just that like one moment. Um, but right. when that would happen, if that happened over a period of days, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right, right. It's so scary. So it's, it's um, you know, there's again, like a lot of good things, but I, I try to highlight the you know, the good and then the con- like some of the consequences, the unintended things, again, yes. that we may not think about, um, um, that we try to help people navigate through as they're trying to get to the, you know, again, leverage their skills, get to that next job, get to where they need to be. 
Yes. Now, do you like with this work that you're doing at Lumina just in and around this area, are you guys trying to support more navigators and counselors? Are you trying, like, is there one area in particular or just all of it? Yeah, no, it's, it's such a good question. We're actually, you know, this is, um, this moment in time has sent a lot of funders soul searching, right? About like, what, what do we, what are the systemic things that we need to continue to work on? But then also what are the things that, again, because of this moment in time that, you know, we can step in and provide funding for and support for. And so um, we are trying to figure out, I mean, the problems I will just share, like, so vast, right? Like, we have people who need food sustainability, you know, the digital divide we've talked about, um, maybe transportation or um, some of those components. So in some of this, we're trying to, and, and we don't have enough money to fix it all, <laughs> for yeah, sure. Right? But like we can't do it all, but I understand. Yeah, but you do try to hone in. I think our biggest question, and certainly again, because our goal is to, around credentials, is um, how do we make sure that students have um, education, a quality educational pathway that we know leads to, to a family sustaining job? How do we make sure they have the financial supports to do that? So how do I sustain myself? Because um, I'm living and learning at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which again, is what people always do, but right. you got to have money to do that. Yep. And then just holistic support. So let's remind um, institutions, if you're providing education, that um, it's those that combination of things, quality educational pathway, um, financial, a good financial plan and supports, and then holistic things like, do you have access to mental health counseling? There's a lot of trauma happening right now for people. Um, Do you have, again, a guide, you know, a navigator, a guide that can help you make sense of all this stuff. So really trying to say like, those are the three things that have to come together to keep people on their path. Um, And so let's make sure we're paying attention to those, investing in those. and, and advocating for those, I would say. Yes. Yes. No, I think it's a great, and I mean, it's, it really is based on, I know the mission of Lumina as well. That's a really great focus to have there. And that can honestly help so many people. Um, I, I think I'm just excited to see sort of, I know most people don't say excited, but I really truly am excited to see how this pans out because we talked about this, that it's just these moments don't necessarily have to be a negative. Um, they can really bring positive light. And so it sounds like you guys are really focused in that positive direction. So the more of us that can come together and focus on these little positive changes, I think would really in the end of this all um, push us in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I love talking, you know, all these components in partnership. I think that's also yes. something I would just highlight. It's really important to us is that because we can't fund it all <laughs> and we can do right. These partnerships um, are really, really important. And so for us, um, you know, partnering with people who are doing the skills-based hiring, because we can say we're going to cover the skills-based learning or comes-based learning approach of this, but we also need employers to know, like, gonna we're going to give you what you, who's going to hire folks. And, um, and so partnering with other philanthropic organizations, other organizations who can help employers get, um, into skills-based hiring, you know, that's where the things and systems start to meet in the middle. Um, and so I would just encourage people to think about that is, you know, how's what I'm doing connected to someone else? Because this moment yeah. in time, our systems are pretty taxed. <laughs> and if we're not, you know, working on them together, um, you know, and that's there's when so many offer. amazing initiatives going on right now too. Um, yeah. in, in, as, as when we come to a close, I'll make sure that I provide Amber's information and Lumina's information because there's, you know, and, and, but like I said, they're both of us, I'll, I'll just throw that out there. Both of us are involved in multiple initiatives with multiple groups. There's so many that are coming together right now to help solve some of these 
sort of major challenges that we're seeing. So don't, don't for one second think that you can't find someone out there that is, is sort of like the, the opposite to where you're focused and coming together wouldn't mean the right thing. That's right. Yes. There's lots of, there's so much good stuff happening right now. Um, Again, kind of how do we leverage that for this moment in time, this like challenge. And it's interesting because we kept talking about, you know, the future of work is coming and that'll be the moonshot of our time. Um, Maria Flynn from JFF was really great at framing. It was like, and that moonshot just got like, it's like the moon moves. Mm-hmm. Like instead of the moon, we're going to go to Pluto. So like yes. all of this we have to do together. It's so true. It's so true. It's the collective as we described earlier. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we are coming up on the end of our time here, Amber, but I always like to throw out a little open-ended question at the at the end. I know not nothing stressful. Um, I just am curious um, if you could leave some final parting words with our guests that, you know, again, completely open-ended, it's up to you. Sure. Um, I think the thing I would like to leave, um, and again, getting back to just skills and and the skills-based approach that we're taking in both education and, and as employers, and it, it really does change our mentality of um, looking at people with an assets-based lens. We have amazing citizens in our country who are capable of doing so much um, but again, we, because of the ways we've kind of worked, some of these systems have been more about exclusion versus inclusion. And, um, by focusing in on what does somebody know and can do and valuing the full thing, breadth of things that they bring to the table. Um, I think we create more opportunity for people. We create a better economy. Um, we will create a better and more inclusive, um, um, recovery. So I just, again, that's why I get excited about this work so much. Um, and this focus on kind of skills and assets-based framing of, of people. Um, and so, especially at this moment in time when things feel so negative, um, that looking at your neighbor with a different lens and saying, you know, these are great people. We have, we have the talent. It's just, how do we make, how do we maximize it? And um, skills are a way to do that. Yes. I, well, it, I can't help but agree, but <laughs> and again, Absolutely. But I, I love those parting words. I really appreciate Thank that you. Amber. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to join us today. Um, it has just been a fantastic conversation. Um, for those of you that would like to connect with Amber. Um, she is available on LinkedIn and Twitter at Amber, A-M-B-E-R-A-G-D, um, and Lumina Foundation. Is that right? Is it Lumina Foundation? Okay. Lumina Foundation is available. Um, what is the website? Is it Lumina.org? Luminafoundation.org. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was the full name. And yeah. of course, on all the socials as well. Um, I follow them. They're wonderful, but you know, definitely feel free to reach out if there's something that you're interested in um, and or just follow um, because the great news coming out of there. Thank you all for listening in to Let's Talk About Skills, baby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share, offer a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate it. You can also follow me, Kelly Ryan Bailey, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Kelly Ryan Bailey. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you again, Amber, for joining us.